0: Greetings, Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. Mouth the South Shore Radio Show. And here we are once again. Mouth of the South Shore Radio Show. On the Wrestling Perspective Radio Network, I am and will always be the mouth of the South Shore, Eric Cordova, here for this Sunday afternoon special edition show. I know the times have been bouncing around, so I appreciate you bearing with us. And so, yeah, we're doing something a little bit different. We're doing a Sunday show. And the wrestling world's a little bit different right now. So it kind of fits in because right now, the hottest thing in wrestling is a press conference company. I, I, I wish I was exaggerating this, but you all know what I'm talking about. And I know there's this meme going around of, well, they're just a t-shirt company. No, they're less than a t-shirt company. They're a press conference company. They do press conferences. They actually have storylines going in the press conferences. And they've had one show before they were a company. But we got this other show coming up. And I'm not knocking the whole thing. Actually, I'm pretty excited about it. So, yeah, I'm not knocking any of it. In fact, I think it's going to be pretty damn good. I hope. I, I mean, obviously, this company has moved forward. We're talking about AEW here, okay? Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this thing where we're going to beat around the bush and not talk about things and whatever, okay? AEW is moving full on ahead, and let's take a look at where we're at. They have currently, I think, 27, based on what I have here, 27 wrestlers signed to their roster, and I'm doing this first, because, yeah, WrestleMania's coming up. I don't feel like it's coming up yet. So, therefore, because we got two other shows, and that's kind of the stupid thing. Is that we have two more pay-per-views before WrestleMania and we're less than two months away. It And they're not even separate shows anymore where it's like, all right, well, one's the Raw show, one's the SmackDown show. No, no, no. It's the same freaking thing and it doesn't matter and it's a little ridiculous. So let's let's keep it at that and we'll go from there, okay? Um, so let's take a look at the full-on rosters of AEW. Obviously, we knew about these people, right? Hangman Page, who is going to be in the initial title match, Brandy Rhodes, Britt Baker, a couple of the uh, females, Chris Jericho, Chris Daniels, Cody, Frankie Kazarian, Joey Janela, Matt and, uh, well, the the young bucks, the young bucks. Maxwell, Jacob, Friedman, great signing there. A lot of potential. Puck, Penelope, Ford, Scorpio Sky, Jungle Boy, which I I think is uh, famous as Son, something like that. I forget. Phoenix, another big signing, and Pentagon, the brothers, pretty big deal there. Uh, Jimmy Havoc has signed. Aja Kong. Yuka Sakazaki, Sunny Rose, also known as Exolicious, uh local kid from here, New York. Um, Sammy Guevara, Kylie Ray, Nyla Rose, so building up the the women's division. Chuck E.T., Chuck Taylor. Uh, Trent Barretta, so the the best friends group or whatever. And, of course, the big signing coming from this last show, Kenneth Omega, officially an AEW roster member, not going to WWE. Pretty sure when he wasn't in the Rumble, that was very evident. But made official, and Jericho Omega 2 is going to happen at All or Nothing, or Double or Nothing, whatever they're calling that show. So, a lot going on there. A lot of mullets, a lot of weird hairstyles. Uh, I'll tell you, it's going to feel like 2,000 up in there. You know, you got the mullets, and you got the Chris Jericho, and, you know, it's going to be wild. No, um, 27 people is enough to make a pay-per-view. I don't know how they're going to sort this thing out and who's going to be where on the card, but I suppose you have Jericho Omega, you have Pac Neville against Hangman Page, so those are your top two matches, and Cody and the Young Bucks are going to be in there somewhere fighting somebody it might be that they're fighting uh kazarian and danielson scorpio sky you know that group maybe they'll do that you know i mean they have a decent top half of a card already but i do wonder if they're going to bring in some like kind of special thing you know veterans uh like a goldberg or something and I, i really don't know but the big story that's been coming out is Again, what is going to happen? Where are we moving going forward? A lot of WWE guys not happy with their their placements. Uh, And now that there's an option out there, and here's what I really want to talk about with AEW. It's not so much that they have a show. I get that. And I don't know what, what television station they're going to be on. I mean, they might be on Fox. Sounds like WWE due to not great SmackDown ratings, they're being threatened to not be on Fox. I don't know why you would take a chance on a company that doesn't exist to go to Fox. Like, I have no idea why that would be a thing. In fact, I don't think it will be. Maybe, I mean, listen, if TBS or TNT wants to take that chance, yeah, I, I could see it. I can definitely see it. But I don't think I could see any type of scenario where AEW, a company that's never existed, ends up on Fox television. Like, that's just not good business. There's no way to sell to anybody that that's good business. Because it isn't, right? Like, how are you going to say, well, you know, they had some big names. I understand that. But it's wrestling, and WWE, which is wrestling has been doing eh, moderately well. I mean, you know, there's shows that do better than WWE these days. Let's not kid ourselves. But I think AEW is changing the game in a lot more ways than just, well, we're going to see how wrestling is going to be different. We're going to try different stories or whatever you're doing. No. The way that they're doing wrestling differently, and we can't confirm this, but the word is, that they're doing different things with the contracts. Specifically, they might be offering health insurance and protection of the wrestlers. They're doing things, they're treating them like employees, not like independent contractors. And for any of you that have ever worked that way, right? So I'm going to give a little bit of a civics lesson here. If you've ever been a 1099 employee of a company, like if you're an independent salesman, or you just you don't work directly for the company, but you're doing work. Whatever the case may be. You can and do work in a different way than a W-2 employee, right? Right. So, the reason I bring this up is that this is the difference between WWE and what they are looking to do with AEW, because WWE has always been a 1099 company. You're an independent contractor. You have a contract with WWE, but you don't work for WWE, if that makes any sense. You work for yourself. You're independent, right? So your insurance is yours. Everything is yours. You run your life, which means that WWE basically has a limited liability, right, they're not actually responsible if guys get hurt or whatever the case is. This company is saying, well, no, it's wrestling. We're going to do things differently. We are going to take responsibility for our guys. We're going to give them insurance. And we're going to run it like, and I guess the cons who have other businesses, they're going to run it like their are other businesses. And – it's interesting. It's an interesting idea to go that direction with it. And by the way, if you want to talk to me about any of this, the call-in number is 714-694-4126. And we should be able to get you on air if you do that. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a weird thing. Like health insurance, what a novel concept, right? <laughs> and... It's funny that it comes now as we are amidst in a battle of how, where, how and where health insurance should come from. But you're talking about guys who we never made the change, even after the Benoit stuff, right? Like, dude is banging his head into the mat every night, then goes and kills his family. And even then, it wasn't like, mm, maybe we should take care of the health insurance components. Maybe we should take care of our guys. It was like, no, we'll drug test them. That, that'll do it. Which, yeah, like, it's improved. I mean, we are not seeing nearly the level of wrestlers dying early that we used to, which is nice. It's good. I'm I'm certainly not going to complain about it. But I would have expected maybe to do those kind of things. Like, maybe let's take care of our wrestlers more. That just never happened. So now the Khan family comes in, and they're looking at doing something completely different because I don't think... Impact did this, a Ring of Honor, New Japan, nobody's done it. And maybe it's just because it's an enormous financial liability, especially now, to actually do it, that a company would have to just have so much cash in hand, which the cons do. I mean, they're billionaires. Like You have to have that startup money. You can't just be, and I'm not trying to knock the guy, but you can't just be Jerry and Jeff Jarrett who come from wrestling. And yeah, they did well in wrestling, but you can't come from that and expect to things that other people are capable of doing who actually have money. So, we have people with money that are willing to do whatever it takes to get it rolling for this AEW. So, it's pretty wild stuff and you know, I'm I'm interested to see if they can be successful, and if they are, and if a lot of talent want to go there and do go there. Because we don't know. Here's the thing. There's a lot of guys and gals that have been saying that they want to go there. Well, not straight up saying that they want to go there, but without saying it, saying it, right? I mean, let's just let's just run down some of what we've heard over the last couple of weeks. Initially, there were a couple of rumors, but let's run through a couple of the names. The Usos. Their contract is up in April, and they've been on SmackDown doing their thing. They've had a good 10 year run. ten years. It's not like they have a lot to prove in WWE. I, I certainly don't, when you're identical twins, I don't foresee... Any scenario where they're going to break off and be single stars, I, I don't see it. I do think the idea of the Usos going over to AEW is intriguing. They could fight the Young Bucks, they could fight the the Daniels and Kazarian, whatever they're calling themselves now. Kind of hope that the Briscoes go over there. That seems like that would be fun. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. For what they could do. Outside of WWE. I mean there's a lot of possibilities. Inside WWE. But you gotta. You gotta be more. Willing to play with the rosters. If you're gonna have this whole thing. Where the pay-per-views are combined anyway. Why stick to the whole idea. Of the brand split. Must be only trades can happen. During the the shake-up. Why? If, If stuff's getting stale. Make a trade. Who cares? Oh, the Usos were traded for uh, heavy machinery. Like, what's the difference? Like, if you want to treat it like a like a real thing, like they really have contracts to the show, just say they got traded. This way, all of a sudden, you open up new possibilities because the Usos have been wrestling the New Day and the Bar for like ever. The matches are good. But at some point, you want something else. So, I would actually be intrigued to see if they're willing to go. That it doesn't seem like the biggest deal because WWE's got plenty of tag teams and they got plenty to spare. I mean, you got just down NXT; they just brought up Heavy Machinery. You have Adam Cole's group. I don't know why I'm blanking on every name today, but you have Undisputed Era potentially to come up. I don't know what they're going to do with I mean there's a ton of possibilities, and it's not like they don't have the war you know the war machine is eventually going to come up the war Raiders once they lose their titles, Mustache Mountain could very easily be on a a regular roster. Lorkin and Birch would be a nice mid card tag team like you could very easily fill out a tag team roster in wWE and give the the Usos more teams to fight it just haven't it just hasn't happened yet. Okay, um, so let's get into a couple other names that have been floated around out there. Of course, you had like Mike Canellis, I don't know if he's going anywhere, but Mike and Maria in a different company could be a relatively big deal. Like, that's a good mid-card act. I'm not saying main event, but mid-card act? Yeah, I could see it. I mean, why not, right? Maria's a big star. Mike is pretty good. When he's motivated, he's a pretty good talent. And I don't know what role they would play, but I I could see it. Again, I don't know that they're going to get their release. I don't know if a lot of these guys are going to get their releases. Another interesting one that floated out there, Randy Orton. Now, Orton's sort of in this weird place where, like, we know he's a legend, We know he's been around forever. I mean, dude debuted in 2002. Come on. He's been around for 17 years, and he's 38 years old. He's 10 years younger than Chris Jericho, and it feels like he's been around every bit as long, almost. He's got a big contract with WWE. I think it's through, like, 2022. Like, I don't think it's coming up. But he said that he would talk to them. If he was allowed to. My biggest issue is. I don't know what they would do with a guy like Randy Orton. Because Orton is the prototypical WWE guy. So do you fall into the trap? Because he's a big star. Like pretend that he's not. I understand that he's in this weird position. Where he could be champion at any time. Right now. But they don't do that because it just might be a little overkill. I just don't know what role they're looking for him to hold. Like, I really don't. I mean, is he the veteran? Because right now he's in a feud with, what, Jeff Hardy? You know, is he going to put anybody over? Is he going to be in that role? Or is he just the veteran who fights other veterans... And, you know, maintains creative control so he can stay over. I don't know. What I do wonder is if he's willing to be not the main guy in AEW. And I say that because let's assume that either Pac or Hangman gets to hold that title for a while. I understand that guys like Jericho and Omega are probab- and Cody are probably going to challenge for that title eventually. But Cody was once a lackey for Randy. Is he on the same footing with him? Do you buy a feud between the two? How about with Hangman Page? Is Hangman Page the type of guy that can hang with Randy Orton? Are you buying that? And... If you don't, if you're saying, well, Orton is clearly better, could you put Orton in a position where he doesn't get to fight in the main event? Or is he going to be ticked off? It's like, dude, these guys aren't on my level and I'm not in the main event. Like, would he even be happy there is the question. These are the things that you have to wonder. It's not as simple as, yo, dude, we got to get all the talent we can in this organization. Do you? Is it? Would it even work? Because I don't know. I honestly do not know the answer to that. Now, here's an interesting one. And I don't know what to make of this. Undertaker has removed WWE from his social media accounts. Now, outside the fact that the, that the Undertaker has social media, which seems like the most odd thing for anybody who grew up on the Undertaker, like, a. Ma- Like, imagine it's, like, 1991, and if you're like me, you're probably scared, poopless of The Undertaker. And if that's the case, are you really going to be like, I'm scared to death of this guy, but I wonder what he's got to say on Twitter. Like, there's no way. There's no way. And now we're like, yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, I totally want to see what's doing. Like I wonder what he's got to tweet about. It's weird. But you got a lot of guys that if their contract is up and if they have the choice, they're gonna have money thrown at them because this company has money. So and if Jericho's telling the truth, and I don't see any reason he wouldn't, he's saying he got a really good deal. From these guys. Like he got good money. So if that's the case. To imagine that guys who are younger. More agile. I mean look at a guy like Dean Ambrose. They're announcing that he's leaving. Is Dean going to end up in AEW? Would seem like a pretty big coup. If he did right. And I feel like it would be a good fit too. Because I don't know what the rules are going to be in AEW. But it seems like. If you let a guy like John Good, who's known as Dean Ambrose, he's going to have to wrestle Shawn Sean Moxley again, by the way, because you can't be Dean Ambrose, because WWE owns that, right? It's the same thing with a lot of these guys. Now, Orton is interesting because that's his real name. So he could show up as Randy Orton. I mean, it's his real name. Then again, WWE owns the right, probably, to the name Randy Orton. I mean, I so I don't know. Randy might have to be just like... RKO or something. Like, I don't know what they own and what he could be. Remember, the rules are different now. You're not going to see Dean Ambrose leave in April, possibly on the way out losing to Nia Jax, because that's the thing. We'll talk about that in a bit. but Dean Ambrose would not be able to be Dean Ambrose, and you have to wait 90 days to see him anyway. I understand it, like I get it from a business perspective in the 90s, but damn it if it doesn't take away from some excitement in the business. So in order to protect your business, you took away excitement in the business in general. It's kind of tough. Like in my opinion, it's it's a little bit tough to sell that. And I get why they would do it. I'm not questioning that. But from a fan perspective, yeah, like if Dean Ambrose left and then a week later he showed up on the other show like and granted, he's we know he's leaving. But let's say the Usos, Russell, wrestle WrestleMania, and then like two days later they appear in AEW, that'd be a big deal. It's just not gonna play out that way. Cause it can't. And I, I don't know if it's gonna be equally as exciting. You'd almost have to time out your show. I, you know, I'm trying to think of how you could possibly do this, but because you'd almost have to time it out. Where? Let's see. I'm. I'm gonna try to find out when this is. Let's see. I think it's gonna be because I don't think they've started selling tickets yet, but. Uh, May 25th. So that doesn't give you enough time if guys up here at WrestleMania to also show up at Double or Nothing. Because WrestleMania is beginning of April. It's less than 60 days. Maybe the next show. Maybe there's a way to start teasing people without actually saying the name. I really don't know. You're kind of in a difficult spot. Because, again, we're trying to generate interest, and the the press conferences are generating interest and supposedly the people buying tickets. The question's going to be, and it's the same question you asked for uh, WWE, like Double or Nothing is the one show that they're doing this year. Last year, September 1st, was the one show they did, and yes, it sold out. And you had people fly in and come from all over to go to this one show to fill up an arena of like 10,000 people. But if you're doing it monthly or bimonthly, is the excitement still going to be there? And what's the plan for weekly television? I'm assuming they're doing weekly television, because I don't know what the business model is if you don't. But if you're doing weekly, are you going to do the TNA model where you, you do it in like a studio? Are they going to try to do it in in arenas? Like what, what is the plan for that? Plan is we got to be in arenas every week. And then we're also going to do pay-per-views in arenas. That might be a difficult sell. And I'm not sure what the sell is at that point. I do think that there's a lot of thought to be put into how they're going to run the product once it becomes a true entity. Is it going to run that way? I really don't know. What I do know is that we're about halfway through the show, which means it's time for me to tell you... About our sponsor. So when you think sponsors, you think sex. Oh, you don't? Well, start thinking it. <laughs> because we want to know if you need to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Do you know who to go to for that? Valvenus is one answer. But the real answer is BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com is the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know they work. So, along with that, you can take it at any time, day or night, on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work twice as fast. So, that's exciting. You can buy them online. They ship straight to your door in a uh, discreet package. So the same way you ordered that Valentine's Day gift for the, the lady is the same way you can get your Blue Chew delivered to your door. And it doesn't require a doctor visit, no waiting at the pharmacy, and no awkwardness at all. And just like Lex Luger, they are made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're actually cheaper than a pharmacy. How about that? And... Let's go even further. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. If you visit BlueChew.com, remember that's blue at the color blue, Chew.com, you get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code WPP. Just pay the $5 shipping. So again, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code WPP to try it free. So when you need a booster for your rooster, Choose Blue Chew, the official sponsor of the Wrestling Perspective Network. All right. So, you know, those ads are not quite as fun when it's not me and the craft. Somehow, it just seems like it's a lot more fun when you got a guy who actually uses the product. I mean, how you doing? But, yeah, I, I am... In this weird place, because we did a half an hour and basically didn't even touch on w w e and part of that is I'm not even sure where to start like I'm really not you know like where where do you what what do you what like what do you talk about right now Well, I suppose we can get into a couple of things well, first of all. Eric Bugenhagen might be the next big star. We'll see about that. Obviously, he appeared on the uh, NXT, and he's ridiculous and a lot of fun. And I wouldn't surprise me if he got a contract. As of right now, talk about The Godfather. What? Yeah. Here's why. The first time Charles Wright, who became The Godfather, appeared on television... He was Papa Shango, at least on WWE television. A voodoo guy. Knew in the business. Didn't talk. Did like voodoo spells. And he was fine. You know, he was always a big guy, so there was the intimidation factor. Alright, cool. We got him feud with the uh with the Undertaker, right? Had that happen for a while, he just wasn't that good. But they they knew they had something. So they tried him as Kama Mustafa, an MMA gimmick, right? This is around the time where MMA was becoming a thing in, like, the mid-'90s. And, again, it was okay. It wasn't anything special. Then he became Kama the Supreme Fighting Machine. And then he joined the Nation of Domination, and he started wearing a hat and walking around with a cane, and he was sort of shifting into this godfather character. It was like Tama the godfather. And eventually, he became the godfather. Being in the group allowed him to start e- examining who he was. And he started wearing the bright colors eventually and coming out with the hose or whatever. And he found a role that just worked for him. And for the next few years, it worked. And now he gets show up at a Royal Rumble and people love it. Why do I bring him up? Because sometimes it's okay to change a character. And it's not as though it has to be some drastic change all the time. I understand that Husky Harris became Bray Wyatt. And people actually forget the Husky Harris run. I get that. I mean, Dolph Ziggler was a cheerleader. And then he became Dolph Ziggler. And he's been Dolph Ziggler for like 10 years. Why do I bring them up? Again. Daniel Bryan came out with his new title, which I love, by the way. And he came out with a new lackey as well. Eric Rowan. And it, it reminded me a little bit of the Straight Edge Society. If you'll hearken back to that, the Straight Edge Society was a group that CM Punk started, because he started becoming indignant about the idea that he was better than people because he was straight edge. Which is a good wrestling gimmick, because you're finding something that people actually, theoretically, might even like. Wow, he's a guy who's not going to die in a wrestling ring because of doing too many drugs or alcohol. Yes, that's great. But, He's also a bit of a jerk about it. He's not being very nice about the idea that he's straight edge, right? That he doesn't do drugs or alcohol. He's actually making people feel bad about the fact that they do use those things. And when he first started the character, he went after Jeff Hardy. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Well, after that, Jeff Hardy is vanquished. CM Punk is becoming a character. He needed minions. because. The only way to really be a jerk is to have people on your side. Kind of makes sense, right? So, what did they do? They took a guy who was portrayed as, well, I don't even know how to describe it. A a, a redneck who was controlled by the sound of a bell. So he was like this big doofy guy controlled by the sound of a bell. When the bell rang, he became nuts and could wrestle interesting character, didn't have a lot of long-term viability. The guy was weird-looking, he was balding and ugly and all sorts of stuff. Well, that guy got himself in shape, he got himself a goatee, and he reappeared as Luke Gallows. Ever since appearing as Luke Gallows, he made a career for himself. He became the big muscle for a lot of guys. He looked like a tough biker character, in a way. Like, and when he was the apprentice, essentially, of CM Punk, he got a career facelift. Now, they could have went further with this, but they added Serena, who apparently had a problem in real life that she couldn't stay away from the bars for, like, six months to make the character work. And Joey Mercury, who was at the end of his career, which, like, it's fine, but what would have made the gimmick work is if you turn somebody that the fans like. You have to remember, the times that these type of stories have worked, have truly worked, are when you take characters that people like and you change them. Let's take a look at the time that it worked the best. Remember I mentioned the godfather? Well, after two years of of being the godfather, he became the good father. Also changed his character because they were in a group called Right to Censor. This group existed to get rid of all the stuff that people liked, essentially. Like, you know, all the the raunchiness and the sex and the violence. They didn't like it, and they were going to get rid of it. So you took a a character that people loved, and you turned him against the fans. So, that they bought into this crazy ideology and they got real hatred because of it because people liked them. I don't know who you could do that with. Now, Rowan's a good choice because you always need a muscle guy. It's always good to have a muscle guy in a group, it really is. So, I'm not going to. And I love the idea that they're actually trying with him because you got a guy who's huge and he's intimidating, and he's got the beard kinda of fits in with Daniel Bryan. So it's like what do you really do with a guy like that, right? And the answer is, yeah, why not make a muscle? And I understand. You know, Luke Gallows, who's his life partner, is gonna come back at some point. I get that. Maybe Luke joins the group too. I don't know. I I, I almost prefer he didn't. Maybe like they they. They have a feud over the fact that Luke isn't in the group. Or they try to convert him and he just won't do it. So he becomes the baby face in the story. Something like that. But there's so many possibilities for what you can do. Daniel Bryan's character is not anti-drug. He's anti-pollution. He's anti... He's basically like... Your typical Greenpeace guy, right? He turned the, the the title into a piece of hemp. You know, again, what kind of guy would work in that type of group? You, I understand the feud with AJ because it's you know he's holding the WWE title, but I almost think we got to find somebody that makes sense to feud against, right? Someone who just doesn't understand Daniel's ways. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it's a big muscle guy. who he goes, hey, dude, like, I didn't get to be big and strong by eating kale, right? I ate meat. Someone has a little bit of sense of humor about it, whereas Daniel Bryan seems to have no sense of humor about these things. That might work. But if we can find guys that we can turn, fan favorites, that we can turn into bad guys to fit the cause of the group, I think the group goes further. I think the group has value, long-standing value. Uh, in my head, I'm thinking someone like No Way Jose, but he's just not on TV enough. I don't think he would have that much of an impact. I need a guy that we're going to have some impact from, that if we turn him or her, it's going to have value. I'm thinking Bailey, and it's not because I want Bailey to be a heel. But it's but it's the same concept of as Kofi Kingston. I I never wanted Kofi to be a heel. In fact, I thought it was a terrible idea when they started the New Day and they're like they're going to be bad guys. I'm like, so you're taking the most athletic guy in WWE that people just seem to really like, and making him into a heel for what reason? I don't I don't know that I understand that, but it gave him new life it gave him something to do and bailey is the prototypical good guy right she's always done things the right way well you would assume she'd be all about clean eating she'd be all about saving the earth because that's who she is right she's everything good could she follow somebody that's all about those things i think she could she's a west coast girl i i think it makes a lot of sense And not only that, Daniel Bryan could be the type of leader that actually pushes his minions to be successful. That's different than CM Punk, who was all about CM Punk. There was never a time where the straight-edge society pushed anybody else in the group. It just never happened. Like, you never got Serena going after the women's title or the other guys going after the Intercontinental title or the tag. None of that ever happened. But I could see it with Daniel Bryan. I could see him helping Bailey to achieve her dreams, right? Because that's, that's what Bryan did. So I could see that being a thing. I could see Luke Harper joining the group and them being tag champions again, but as environmentalists, like lumberjack-looking guys. I could see it. And why not? There's so many possibilities for what you could do with this group. Bailey might be the perfect addition, though. Because, again, we want to take somebody who's a babyface. The only problem is you know that she's already locked into probably winning that tag title. So it's not going to happen. But I think it would be a good fit. I do. And imagine if you actually followed through with it. Imagine if you followed through where Bailey, instead of wearing the bright, colorful things, she started wearing like flannels and jeans. And she really started fitting the mold of what that group was. And she started talking about how she would be who she was and. She needed to be who she truly was. She's from California. She believes in conservation, and she believes in success. And the only way to truly be who she is is to align herself with this group. You change the outfits. You change the hair. Change everything. You create a new character. And here's the thing that people forget. Just because you create a new character doesn't mean you can't eventually go back to what used to be. If you like Bailey with the wacky, waving, inflatable, arm-filling tube men, it can happen again. Godfather comes out as the Godfather. Valvenus has appeared as Valvenus. You can go back. You can do it. You can evolve a little bit. But you can go back. That's why I think it's... Take a chance. What do you have to lose? It's not as though... Someone like, let's say, Bailey is lighting the world on fire with her gimmick now. I mean, she's basically been in the same storyline for an entire year that's gone nowhere. So doing something a little bit different, yeah, I'd be all for it. Now, let's say you get the Luke Harper, and that's your tag team and your muscle guys. If we want to get a mid-card guy, because I'm all about, you know, having a full-on group. I don't like this. Well it is three. We're done. We got three. Three. We're good. No, like let's have a real group for once. I haven't had one in years. Three. We got it. Three. Got it. We got three. Three. We're good. No. We can expand down three. Three! We got three. It's good. Three. No, I I, I mean I guys, I understand the shield worked out Three! And the wife had three. The right's got three. I get it. Three. Let's go beyond three. Three. You know. Let's see who we can figure out for like a mid-card role. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. Again, I like the idea of taking somebody that's established. I just do. I'd go Finn Balor. And here's why. Finn has been floundering. He needs something. And I understand people see Finn as, well, he led the Bullet Club. He can't be a follower. Yeah, that's the point. He's going to be until he's not. Because eventually the undoing of the group is going to be that Finn Balor sees himself as an equal to Daniel Bryan, if not better. So Finn turns face, takes the title from Daniel Bryan, and away you go. The group starts to dissolve. People start questioning alliances. There you go. I just give you a year's worth of storylines. You wanna put you wanna play it out on paper? Let's play it out on paper. Okay? Bailey and Sasha lose in the finals. So let's say the Riot Squad, the tag titles. They get first crack at WrestleMania, pre show. They lose again. Bailey gets drafted She's frustrated the fact that they didn't win. She thinks that Sasha is to blame. Because Sasha takes the pen. And Sasha had the title shot it and whatever. And she seemed to be distracted still by the idea of getting back at Ronda Rousey. But Bailey gets drafted over to SmackDown. Peer for a couple of weeks. One day she appears... With Daniel Bryan, and you know what? Maybe let's do the heel turn. Let's let's do the heel turn. So Bailey comes out, you know, in a flannel shirt and does her thing, whatever. And then the next week we can, we can explain that Bailey has joined up with Daniel Bryan. Now, obviously, we got to get to WrestleMania. Bailey's not there yet. I understand that. Um, so let's do something where. And we 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 were questioning whether or not he's going to be in the group. And you think the answer is no. And eventually he does join the group. Helps Daniel Bryan retain the title at a fast lane. So now he's part of the group. Yeah, you have the three, right? The three bearded men. And they're going to WrestleMania. So at WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan defends his title against whoever. Retains the title, and shortly thereafter, Bailey comes over and joins the group. Finn Balor comes over, and I'm gonna give it like a, another month or at least a few weeks after Bailey for Finn Balor to finally start a story with them, so he'll start the story, and again he'll join and we can we could do that. I think, for at least two months. So let's say May and June, right? Finn Balor is a part of the group. Maybe he even wins the U.S. title. I don't know. And then maybe he loses it. And Daniel Bryan is not happy because Finn Balor is not living up to the level of success that the team is supposed to. I mean, Bayley has become the the women's champion on SmackDown. She has defeated Asuka. And by the way, this is a really good way out of that because I don't know who else is going to defeat Oscar, but a new Bailey character, yeah, that could happen because Bailey never could figure out Oscar, not as nice Bailey, but as Bailey with help, as Bailey with teammates, as Bailey with the want and the need to win at all costs. Yeah, I could see it. Evil Bailey is the champion. The tag guys are champions. Finn is not a champion. Loses his title. Or he just never wins it. So Daniel Bryan is berating him about not living up to the level of success that the team is supposed to have. So he tries to help Finn win the title. Because he's a nice guy and this is what he does. And maybe Finn wins it. And he doesn't trade in his title for some wooden, weird version of the title. Tension just continue to mount till eventually we get the showdown at SummerSlam. Finn Balor versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. So now the group and maybe you, you started the story where the group is not sure which way to go, that they you know, do they stay with Daniel Bryan? Do they align themselves with Finn Balor? Bailey, this is e- I mean, right to tell Bailey has been best friends with Balor forever. When they were in NXT, they used to come out to each other's theme music, and they would, you know, they were adorable. And Finn is like trying to talk sense into her, like, "Remember, we were best friends. I don't know who you are now." So you have this like internal crisis of conscience with Bailey. Does she stay in this new character? The more I think about it, the more it might need to play out over the course of a year. But you could play it out over half a year. I mean. I know people would be upset if, like, say, Bailey goes back to being good after six months. Wrestling works that way sometimes. Or maybe, you know what, maybe she holds on to the title till say, October, November. So initially she says no to Finn Balor, but eventually she sees the light. It, it, there's a million ways you can go with it, but these things write themselves, right? The best friends... But she's so under the influence of, I got to be the real Bailey, right? The same way the real Daniel Bryan is here, the real Bailey. California girl, conservationalist, right? The real Bailey. The point is, I just came up with this stuff over the course of one week. WWE is about to present WrestleMania in two months, and they got nothing. Like, I'm just being honest. They've lucked into the idea that Becky is the biggest star in the world. And, yeah, that's going to be a big deal. Is Charlotte going to be a part of it? Maybe. She might be. I, I don't know. But whether she is or she isn't, it's fine because you have the biggest star in the world in that match. The same way that was it a big deal that Batista was involved in the main event of WrestleMania 30? Not really. Because the whole thing was about Daniel Bryan. As long as Daniel Bryan was in the match and won the match, it didn't matter who else was in there. Nobody remembers. Nobody cares. It actually doesn't matter that he—like, you remind people, you know Batista was in that match, right? Batista? Didn't he leave WWE in, like, 2005? Yeah, but he came back for that, like, really short period of time, and he's wearing really tight pants— Kind of gay looking, but that's okay, because he came back, and he's a big star, and this was Drax the Destroyer returning to the WWE, and he was in that match, and he put Daniel Bryan over. Well, how about that? But the important part was that Daniel Bryan won. It wasn't about who was in the match. It didn't matter. As long as the end result was correct, and in this case, the end result is Becky has to win. And realistically, Becky's got to tap out or pin Ronda Rousey. Ideally, tap her out. Because you know how much of a killer she looks like if she taps out freaking Ronda Rousey? And they've made that easier because it looks like Ronda's becoming the heel in the feud. So if Ronda starts taking shortcuts and becoming the heel, heels can tap out. If Ronda's still the top babyface and you're booking her as a top babyface, she ain't tapping out. She shouldn't tap out because... If you really want to push the idea that the women are the same as the men, when's the last time you saw a male babyface top guy tap out? John Cena, Orton when he's a babyface, Daniel Bryan when he's the babyface, CM Punk, any of these guys, Seth Rollins now, you ever see them tap out? Me neither. So you can't tell me that, well, they should, and you know what? I thought it was insanely idiotic that Becky Lynch tapped out too. I'm going to tell you straight up that I thought that was that was insanely stupid. Because you're going to tell me that she's the biggest baby face in the world. She's basically the new Stone Cold Steve Austin. But she could tap out to Asuka. I, but she'll be fine later on. No! Have her get caught in a roll-off. Something stupid like that. That's fine. Asuka is creative. She's a good wrestler. If you wanted Becky to get caught, that's fine. But tapping out, that means that Oscar's clearly clearly the better woman in that match. And that was not what you were supposed to do with that. That's the thing. Sometimes these things just really get to me where they just don't get it. They just don't get it. That they're not holding themselves to a standard. And you want them to. You want there to be a real standard. That this is what a top babyface is. And this is what they can do. Male, female, Trentons, whatever you want it to be. No matter who it is, no matter who they're fighting, that's what it's got to be. I mean, and now we might be getting back to the idea that men can fight women. Because the rumor is that Dean Ambrose and Nia Jax might fight at WrestleMania. I mean, they're fighting on a house show. Now, I don't know if they're actually going to fight at Mania. I mean, wouldn't that be the ultimate? Nia Jax, who seems to not be able to go five seconds out hurting anybody is going to get, I mean, she almost, she almost ruined what is the biggest layup in the world, which is Becky Lynch becoming the top wrestler in the world. She may have helped it too, you know, by the fact that she bloodied Becky and that image is becoming iconic, but she almost ruined it by breaking her damn nose and by being careless. And since she's been even more careless. When you piss off R-Truth, who looks like the most jovial guy in the world, I mean, it's R-Truth. He's fun. He's entertaining. And he's mad at you because you're taking a spot in the Rumble, and yeah, he's willing to do it. Great guy, right? He wins the 30 spot, and he's willing to give you that spot careless, and you throw him without any sort of care for his health. You know this is wrestling, right? It ain't real. You're supposed to protect your opponents, and she's not doing it, and we're rewarding her by giving her Dean Ambrose. Now, I understand maybe it's not, because maybe they're just trying to embarrass Dean Ambrose. But at the same time, why are we rewarding this woman? You know, Big Show was like this for a little while. He got a little careless. He stopped caring, and they sent his ass back to developmental. That's what they should do. Take Nia Jax, And send her ass back to developmental. I really don't care. I understand that she's a monster. I get it. But they can take anybody and do that. I'm sure there's plenty of people. That they could push in that way. It doesn't have to be Nia Jax. It doesn't have to be The Rock's cousin. She needs to be taught. A lesson. She should be removed from her role on Total Divas and sent back to Developmental because she cannot continue to work in the way that she's working. It is ridiculous. It is repugnant. And WWE should be embarrassed at themselves that they're pushing somebody who can't work safely. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You have to be able to work safely to work successfully in the WWE. Great example of that, Seth Rollins. As he didn't work safely for a while, he improved, and now he's being pushed as the top babyface in the world. So with that said, we have come to the end of our long and winding road, and in the words of the dead, what a long and strange trip it's been. I appreciate you tuning in on a Sunday, special Sunday edition of the show. We'll look to get back on the air on Thursday, do it our regular time, same bad time, same bad station. And so... As we make our way out, I'd like to tell you to check out our social media, Mouth of the South Shore Radio Show on Facebook, at MOTSS Radio on the Twitter and the Instagram. And make sure you check out our other projects. Myself, I have Cordova's Travels Through History. You can check that out on Facebook. Kravitz got the Billy and the Crab fantasy radio show. Get a lot of uh, your fantasy baseball news coming up. That's going to be starting soon, Pitcher and Catcher's Report. and of course. You can catch them live on the hockey games for the Meyer league Islanders. So a lot of good stuff coming up. And as we say our goodbyes, I say, say hello to your loved one. This is the week to do it. Valentine's Day is Thursday. I hope you got something nice planned for you and yours. So for myself, for the Krav, for the Dennis, for the PD, I am the mouth to the South Shore. Peace.